Good evening. If you're visiting with us this evening, thank you so much for your attendance, for your participation, for your support of this gospel meeting. I know the congregation here really appreciates your attendance, and so do I. Thank you so much for making this a priority on a Monday night when there are so many things you could be doing. You want to hear God's word. You want to glorify and honor him. That's commendable. Thank you. I really appreciate Mike. I appreciate his remarks. Mike is a dear, dear friend. Uh, Mike and I talk on the phone quite a bit, and um, I'll tell you one thing that always comes through. He genuinely and truly loves you. And I want you to know that. It, it comes across in the way he talks about the church here. It comes across in the, in the prayers that he offers on your behalf. I know you know that, and I know you love him and Cherie and the work that they've done here, but sometimes those things need to be said. It shows in the way that he loves you, the way that he prays for you, the way that he talks about you. And I know that Adam and Julie are a blessing to you as well. Had dinner with them tonight. Really appreciate the hospitality. And I'll just tell you, on my... From my perspective, I have already tremendously enjoyed getting to visit with a number of you and spend time getting to know you better. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to speak as a part of this gospel meeting this week. A disciple is a follower. It is a learner. It is an understudy. That's what a disciple is. And Jesus said that those who would be his disciples must take up a challenge. In three places in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, literally in Greek, that's what it says, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, that sounds almost redundant when you say it that way. If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so what our modern translations do is they say, if anyone would come after me, let him do those things. But think about this. Jesus is offering a challenge to anyone who would come after him. And here's what the challenge entails. We talked in our Bible class yesterday morning about the mission that Jesus came to accomplish in Matthew chapter 16, verses 20 and following, Jesus talked about how he was going to Jerusalem and he was going to suffer many things from the scribes and the chief priests and the elders and that he was going to be killed and then rise on the third day. Jesus came to accomplish a mission. The mission had to do with going to Jerusalem and going to a cross and then after he rose from the dead, going to the nations. And that's how the book of Matthew ends. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Go, make disciples of all the nations. That's Jesus' mission. And when Jesus offers us the challenge of discipleship, what we should never forget is that Jesus is inviting us to be a part of his mission in the world. He wants to go to all the nations to proclaim the glory and the goodness of God, to preach about redemption, to preach about salvation. That's what Jesus' mission entails. And he's saying, if you will deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, not only will you find salvation, but you'll be a part of what I've come into the world to do. And so, the things that caused Jesus to suffer... The very same forces and the very same challenges that caused him to suffer are the very same forces and the very same challenges 
that we will face. When you follow Jesus closely enough, you'll suffer for the same reasons that Jesus suffered. Marks of a disciple. What does a disciple look like? As you read through scripture, you'll find Jesus saying things like this. You'll find him saying that a disciple is one who abides in my word. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You'll find Jesus saying that my disciples are those who bear much fruit. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. What is a disciple? He's a fruit bearer. He's one who bears fruit to the glory of God. What is a disciple? Jesus said, by this shall all know you're my disciples if you, what? Love one another. John 13, 34 and 35. Marks of a disciple. A disciple bears fruit. A disciple loves other disciples. A disciple abides in the word of Jesus. But open your Bibles, if you haven't already done so tonight, to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 specifically, what does a disciple do? A disciple participates in the mission of glorifying God, the mission that Jesus was our trailblazer, he was the author, he is the one who set the, set the stage. And we participate in this when we deny ourselves and we take up our cross and follow him. Who is a disciple? A disciple is one who denies himself and takes up his cross. You know, that must have stunned, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, the original hearers of these words. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. When we read scripture, we read it as if we already know the end of the story. We already know how this turns out. But when these people heard Jesus saying things, at this point in his ministry, take up your cross, it must have sounded very strange in their ears. They knew what crosses were. You know, we take crosses today and we, we make necklaces and earrings out of them and we, we put them on our cars and we put them on our church buildings and crosses of decoration. We, we make decorative crosses and put them all over our homes and our, our kitchens and things like that. A cross was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of death. It was repulsive. It was horrific to people in the first century. And if you were a Jew living in the first century, you would be familiar with crosses because the Romans who despised the Jews, would very characteristically, very regularly, they would crucify people who were enemies of the Roman state, and they would put those crosses along the sides of the road. And so if you were going to town, if you were driving, walking down the highway, not driving, you would see these crosses, and you'd see these people being crucified, and you'd see the agony, and the misery, and the suffering you know, ancient people thought differently about capital punishment than we do in our country. We have words in our constitution about cruel and unusual punishment, and we say you just you, you can't have any of that. But ancient people thought that when you died, for the most part, their philosophy was, we don't know what happens to you after you die, so we're going to make you hurt and suffer as much as we possibly can before you die. That's part of your punishment. And so the Romans and the Babylonians before them and many others, they devised things like crosses as instruments to inflict maximum pain, maximum suffering, maximum humiliation, maximum torture prior to death. And Jesus says, as part of his teaching, my disciples are those who are willing to take up their crosses and follow me. What is my cross? 
If you're looking at Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it's amazing that we sometimes read over this. We're not being asked to take up the Lord's cross. He had a cross to bear. But Jesus makes it personal for every one of us who would be his disciples. Jesus says, you, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. And if you read, what do people think about this passage? What do they think about what a cross entails? Nobody believes that this is literal for everyone. There are many disciples of Jesus who never picked up two sticks that were nailed together and carried it literally. Many people have been faithful to the Lord. So it's not literal in that sense, but it means something, doesn't it? A lot of people say, well, it's a willingness. It's a willingness, even if that's what it came to. It was a willingness to take up my cross and to follow him, even if that's what I had to do. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, if you're my disciple, you will deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So what is a cross? Maybe it's better to start with what a cross is not. Think about this. What my cross is not. My cross, first of all, is not the consequences of my sin. Peter says later on in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, if anyone suffers as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a busybody, a meddler? There's no glory in that. If I have sinned and I'm dealing with the consequences of my sin, that's not what Jesus means by taking up my cross. Well, I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of what I've done. It's my cross to bear. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about discipleship, about following him. So it's not the consequences of my sin. Well, what else is it not? I'll tell you, I don't believe that Jesus is talking about just problems that are common to everyone. If you live in this world, you will suffer. Just by virtue of the fact that we live in a sin-sick world. Job said in Job 14 verse 1, Man who is born of woman is a few days and they are full of trouble. And Job knew something about trouble, didn't he? Job suffered tremendously. And there are people all over this planet tonight, most of whom are not loyal to the Lord, most of whom are not trying to be his disciples, who suffer with things like diseases and poverty and illness of various kinds. And so taking up my cross and following Jesus is not just dealing with the ordinary troubles that are common to all men. Sometimes we have in our English language the expression, the idiom, well, that's just my cross to bear. Somebody gets sick. Somebody spends a Sunday coughing and hacking because they've got a fever. It's just my cross to bear. That's not what Jesus means either. One more thing he doesn't mean when he says take up your cross. When Jesus says take up your cross and follow me, he does not mean that we are in any way, shape, or form earning our salvation. We are not meriting by our burden bearing, by our suffering, by our walking with him, we are not in any way, shape, or form earning or being able to stand before God one day and say, God, you owe me salvation because I've done so much for you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It, salvation, is the gift of God. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of doing good works. So if I'm taking up my cross and following Jesus, I need to understand and appreciate this is not about earning anything 
in terms of my righteousness before God. When we come to Jesus, we put ourselves at the mercy of God and we accept the blood that he offered at the cross and we say, that is going to be my testimony. That is going to be my standing. That's going to be where I stand on the day of judgment because the blood of Jesus is what cleanses us. It's what saves us from our sin. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. What my cross is not, it's not the consequences of my sin. It's not just the problems that everybody has in life, and it's certainly not earning anything. So what is the cross that Jesus is calling us to bear? You're still looking at Mark chapter 8? Look at verse 35. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And then in verse 35, he goes on and reasons. He says, For, a conjunction that notes reason, he says, For whoever would save his life, He's still got the cross in mind here. We'll lose it. But whoever loses his life, now watch this, for my sake and the gospels will save it. I believe, based on Mark chapter 8, verse 35, that what Jesus means by taking up our cross and following him is exactly this. He is saying that there are some burdens that you will willingly pick up for my sake and for the gospel's sake. Whoever loses his life going to the cross for my sake and the gospel's will save it. What is the cross? It's a burden. It's a responsibility that I willingly accept for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. That's the idea. And as you think about taking up our cross and following him, when you become a disciple of Jesus, everything changes. Brother Johnny Ramsey was one of my teachers in preaching school years ago. He used to say that the entire Christian life could be boiled down to three things. Attitude, motive, and emphasis. Attitude, motive, and emphasis. And doesn't Jesus change all three of those things when we become a Christian? He changes our attitude. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 5. He changes our motives, the why we do what we do. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians 2, verse 10. And he changes our emphasis. What is my life really all about? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain, Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21. And so, when I become a disciple of Jesus, when I become a follower of his, my attitude changes, my motives change, my emphasis changes. And all of a sudden, I start to see crosses that I need to bear. What I'd like for us to do with our study this evening is this. I want to help you to see crosses in your life. I can't tell you all of the responsibilities and all the burdens specifically that the Lord would have you to bear in your life because you're loyal to him, because you follow him, because you want to serve him. But I can help you see them. Four areas to consider in which we can better see the cross that Jesus wants us to bear. Area number one, we need to pay attention to our association with Jesus. You want to see a cross in your life? A cross will be evident when we are associated with Jesus. Association. In John chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says that Nicodemus who was of a Jewish political party that was not very fond of Jesus, even early in his ministry, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and the Bible says he came by night. 
Most people surmise that Nicodemus came to see Jesus by night because of the fact that he was afraid of being associated with the Savior. Think about this. Association with Jesus. You belong to him, don't you? You're his disciple, aren't you? Sometimes that's kind of a fearful thing for people to find out about us. Sometimes that can cause problems in the workplace. It can cause problems in our homes. It can cause problems at school. You're one of Jesus' disciples. I want to share with you a couple of examples in Scripture. If you've got your Bibles handy, let's turn to a couple of passages together. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 12 and look at verses 42 and 43. John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. Association with Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, be willing to be associated with me and allow others to know about that association. In John 12, verse 42, the scripture speaks about some who believed in Jesus. And it says, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, John 12, 42, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Another translation says they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. What's the cross that they need to bear if they want to be Jesus' disciples? If they want to follow him, if they want to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him, these people needed to be willing to be counted with Jesus and if necessary to be put out of the synagogue. A burden accepted, a responsibility accepted for the purpose of following Jesus Christ by virtue of their association with him. Turn back in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, look at verses 66 and, 66 and following. Mark chapter 14, verses 66 and following. If I'm going to take up my cross and follow Jesus... I need to be willing to be associated with him. Mark 14, 66. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, Mark 14, 67, she looked at him and said, You were also with the Nazarene, Jesus. Association. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say, all to the bystanders this time, this man is one of them. He's associated with Jesus. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. And Jesus, uh, excuse me, Peter, the Bible says, began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. I find it interesting that Jesus says to his disciples, take up your cross and follow me. And part of what that has to do with is being associated with him, with owning the fact that I am a disciple, I am a Christian, I belong to Jesus Christ. And Peter failed miserably. Peter, if you wanted to see your cross, that was it. To be counted with Jesus in his hour of trial. Rulers, if you wanted to see your cross, that was it. To be counted with Jesus and to be put out of the synagogue as a consequence. Take up your cross and follow me. Association with Jesus. 
there are some of us here tonight, it would be like dying if certain people in our lives found out that we belong to the Lord. It would be like suffering and torture that we could not believe if certain people that we worked with or certain people that we hold in high regard were ever to find out what we really believe. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and we believe that he is our savior and we want to be his disciples and we're afraid to be associated with him. Take up your cross and follow me. Second, tonight, as you think about what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus, how can I see crosses in my life? A second way that we can see crosses in our lives through obedience to Christ. Obedience to Christ. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15. Mary had good advice when she said, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. John chapter 2 and verse 5. Whatever he says to you, do it. We are to obey Jesus Christ because he is our ruler. He is our Lord. He has all authority. And so, part of taking up our cross and following him is listening to his words, listening to his teachings, and then putting them into practice in our lives. Not just being hearers of the words, but doers. James chapter 1 verse 22. Somebody who just listens to the teachings of Jesus but doesn't do them. You know what Jesus said about that person? He said he's like a man who builds his house on the sand. There's no foundation. And the rains will come and the floods will, will pour down. Or the, the floods will rise. And the Bible says that great will be the fall of the one who hears and does not do. Taking up my cross and following Jesus, that becomes more visible when I commit my life to obedience. I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to follow his word. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. show you some examples. Mark chapter 10, look at verses 20 and 21. A rich young ruler comes to speak to Jesus and he's asking about eternal life. He's asking about salvation. He's asking great questions. And Jesus, the Bible says, converses with him. You know the laws. You know the commands. And the ruler says, yes, I've done all these things from my youth up. And Jesus, the Bible Bible says, looks at him, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, and loves him. And says to this rich young ruler, one thing you lack. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. It says in verse 22 that disheartened by the saying, the young ruler went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Obedience to Jesus. What must I do, Lord, to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be your disciple? What must I do to truly follow you? That's a question worth contemplating. Jesus loved the rich young ruler. And by the way, he was not trying to impoverish the rich young ruler. He wasn't trying to make him poor. If you read the passage very carefully, Jesus was trying to make him richer than he had ever imagined. Go sell all that you have in this world and you'll have treasure in heaven. Jesus always talks about incentives. He always talks about why, the rationale, the logic behind why we do what we do. But here's the point for you and me. Sometimes the cross that we face is obedience to the Lord's will. Jesus knows the idols of your heart. He knows what you treasure. 
He knows what you prize. This young man loved money and things. That was what he was all about. That's what he wanted more than anything else. And when that was the price that Jesus demanded, when that was what Jesus said, you've got to put away that idol from your life. You've got to go and sell all that you have. It was too much. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Rich young ruler, if you wanted to see your cross, that was it. You know, there's an ancient Jewish legend, ancient Christian legend, that says that the rich young ruler was Barnabas. I'd like to believe that was true. I really would. Because what that means is that when we turn to the pages of Acts, we see that Barnabas has now become a disciple. Maybe he's grown up a little bit. Maybe he's understood how much of an idol things were in his heart. And in obedience to his Lord, he goes and he sells a field and he brings the price of that field and lays it at the apostles' feet because he wants to take up his cross and follow the Lord. Turn to another passage with me, if you would, as we think about obedience to Christ. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. And I want you to look at verses 11 through 14. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Lest we think that cross-carrying is easy, lest we think that we can always easily see the burden, the cross that Jesus wants us to carry, I would like to point out for you that even apostles struggle with this. Peter was the apostle that preached the first sermon to the Gentiles, remember? In Acts chapter 10 and 11, God sent Peter to Cornelius. And Peter was the apostle that preached the gospel and then baptized Cornelius and his household. And Peter was the apostle that stood up in the great council at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And Peter was the one that made a case for how the Gentiles could become Christians and they are every bit as valid Christians as the Jews are. Even though they don't keep the law of Moses, even though they haven't been circumcised, the Gentiles are Christians. That was Peter's stand. That was what he believed. That was what he taught. Until Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Paul writes, But when Cephas, Peter, had come to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. What is Peter doing? For before certain men came from James... He was eating with the Gentiles. So Peter used to, when the church would have a potluck, so to speak, Peter would go and he would eat with all the Gentiles. He had no problem sitting at the table with them, visiting with them. He would sit with them on the pew. The Gentiles were his brethren, and he treated them that way. And everybody saw Peter loves the Gentiles as his brethren. But when these Judaizers came, Peter drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews saw what Peter was doing, and so they acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Paul says, when I saw their conduct, I saw that what Peter and the others were doing was dissembling. They were separating themselves from their brethren. These are our brethren in Christ, but we're not going to have anything to do with them because they're different than us, and we're worried about what those teachers over there think. We're worried about what they believe. Obedience to Christ. What does it mean to obey Christ in this situation? It means that I stand up for those who are my brethren. It means that I stand for their legitimacy as Christians. Paul stands up and he condemns Peter. 
And he tells him that his behavior is not right in the sight of God. And I want you to notice something very curious. As you read on in this passage, Paul begins kind of a monologue. And when you get down to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, look at what Paul says. In Galatians 2, verse 20, same, same chapter, same context, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Take up your cross and follow me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that means? Paul is saying, I'm going to obey Christ. I'm going to take up my cross and follow him. And in this passage, that means I'm going to celebrate and accept my Gentile brethren as brethren in Christ. I'm not going to bind any command on them that God is not bound. I'm not going to command that they have to be circumcised in order to be saved. I'm going to obey Jesus Christ, and I'm going to respect his word, and I'm going to respect his will. Take up my cross and follow him. And there were some people that did not appreciate what Paul did on that occasion. By the way, turn over to Galatians chapter 6, and Paul comes back to this. In Galatians chapter 6, take up your cross and follow me by obedience to Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 6, as Paul begins to write with his own hand, the Bible says that, that Paul speaks to his brethren this way. Verse 11, see with what, Galatians 6, 11, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good showing in the flesh would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, these people who are dissembling, these people who are teaching false things, these people who are binding things that God doesn't bind, they were doing it because they were worried about what others thought. And so instead of obeying the gospel and obeying Jesus Christ, they were treating others in the way that they shouldn't. And Paul says they would rather do that than suffer for the cross. And in the same context, look at what he says in verse 14. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the Lord has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Take up your cross and follow me. Crucified. Obedience to Jesus even when it's costly. Can I just say this? There, there are some people, I believe, that are New Testament Christians it would just about humiliate us to have to say we're sorry to our wives about some things. Maybe that's what Jesus wants us to do in obedience to him. There are some people that it would just be the end of the world if I were to act like a Christian in the workplace. If I were to start living for him and to be his disciple and obey him, it would feel like the end of the world because job promotions and things like that, those might come a lot more difficult because of my obedience to my Lord. There are some people that because of obedience to Christ, taking up their cross and following him, it'd be suffering and anguish to have to admit that the elders have some good things to say and they make some good decisions and I need to get in line behind what they're doing because their leadership is godly and spiritual and they want to serve the Lord and I need to make their job a cheerful job. I need to make them glad to see me coming. Isn't that what the Bible commands us to do in Hebrews 13, verse 17? It's obedience to Christ. It is denying myself and taking up my cross because I belong to him and following him. Obedience. Number three. Proclamation. 
of Christ. You want to see a cross in your life? You want to start to see where the burdens are, where the challenges are, where the responsibilities are that Jesus wants us to take up our cross and follow him? We belong to him. Associate with him, obey him, and proclaim him. Him we proclaim, Paul said, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, warning every man, teaching every man that we would present every man perfect, full-grown, mature in Christ Jesus. We proclaim our Lord. Go in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2, or excuse me, Acts chapter 4, and look at verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What I'm saying is that part of taking up my cross and following Jesus means that I'm willing to proclaim him, especially when it's difficult, especially when it's challenging. In Acts chapter 4, verse 1, I want to be part of this mission that Jesus has to the nations. He says, go into all the nations, make disciples. And that's exactly what the first century Christians did. In Acts 4, verse 1, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from from the dead. And so they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. When the apostles began to preach, when they began to talk about Jesus, not everybody liked that. Not everybody appreciated that. And there were crosses to bear, thrown in prison, threatened, released. They went to their brethren, they prayed, and you know what they kept doing? They kept right on proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. They kept on talking about him. And when you get to Acts chapter 5, notice this. In Acts chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, as they stand on trial again, the Bible says they bring them, set them before the council, the high priest questions them. In Acts 5, 28, he says... We already strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You know, he makes it personal. You're telling us that we killed an innocent man. Stop doing that. Stop preaching that. Stop telling people that story. Don't do that anymore. Proclaiming Jesus Christ. Gamaliel gives some good advice. They listen. The Bible says they beat the apostles, and then they release them. And look at Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Then they left the the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. Take up your cross and follow me. When you read the book of Acts, this is one of the things that really impresses me and causes me to pause and wonder. Every single time the gospel breaks new ground, every single time they go into a new city, a new area, and begin to proclaim Jesus Christ, you know what comes with it? Suffering. Sometimes they're stoned. Sometimes they're imprisoned. Sometimes they're threatened and brought before the council. Sometimes the Jews cause them problems and harass them and say things about them that are not true. But every single time these first century Christians went to a new area and began to proclaim the gospel, it was always accompanied by suffering. Proclaim him. Do you talk about Jesus? Do you visit with your family about Jesus? I heard a preacher recently that said this, and it's given me some things to think about. He said, you know, we really ought to tell the gospel to our families. And by that, I don't mean hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Those are all conditions for obedience to the gospel. But what he meant was this. He meant that it would be a wonderful thing if families would sit around and if dad would say, 
I want to tell you about what led me to the decision to become a disciple of Jesus. I want to tell you that, that I believe that I was lost and that only Jesus could save me. And I, I want to tell you that I saw in him a glory and I saw in him a work that he had done that, that could redeem me and could save me from my sins. And, and I put my trust and my faith in him. I believe in him. And now I'm living for him every day. And then mom could say, you know what? I want to tell you about what happened when I was baptized. Have you ever done that with your family? There are some, there are some families that would be like the end of the world. Suffering. If we'd be ashamed, maybe, to start talking to our families about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaim him. Do you talk about Jesus? Do you talk to people that you know that are not connected with the church in any way? That have no organic relationship? They're, they're not somebody's cousin or sister or, or wife or, or whatever. They're, they're people that are living their lives and they need to hear about Jesus. Proclaim him. And just, be realize, just realize as you do so that sometimes there will be a cross. Take up your cross and follow me. Tell the story of Jesus for my sake in the gospel. Number four tonight. You want to see a cross? You want to find a cross in your life? Imitate him. Imitation of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus said, A disciple is like his master in every way. Luke chapter 6, verse 40, similar phrase. We're like our masters. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to become more and more like him in my life. I need to strive to follow his example. On the night he was crucified, Jesus got down on his hands and knees, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed dirty feet. And then he said in John 13, verses 15 through 17, I have left you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Imitate me. Follow me. The Apostle Paul lived in such a way that he could say to his brethren on many occasions, follow me as I also follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. The things that you've seen and heard in me, these do. Paul would say, follow him, imitate him. And the things that you've seen me emulate, you do those things as well. You and I need to be willing to imitate Jesus Christ. To strive to have his attitudes, to strive to have his mind in us. Philippians 2, verse 5. What are some ways in which we can imitate Christ? Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, I want you to notice what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 2, if anybody knew about carrying a cross, if anybody knew about failure in carrying a cross, it was Peter. And when Peter writes the book of 1 Peter, he talks about submission, he talks about honoring Jesus Christ, he talks about imitation. This section is curious because we don't have slavery in our society in the way that they did in theirs. There's a difference, a gap, if you will. We don't have people that have no way out of their, of their condition in the same way that these people did not. But as you think about what Peter is saying, it's interesting. He's talking about carrying a cross. He's talking about being a disciple of Jesus and what that looks like in a number of different situations. And he says this. Look at verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Servants, now that you're a disciple, your attitude, motive, and emphasis has changed. And here's what he says. Be subject to your masters with all respect, 
Not only to the good and gentle, that's easy, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, there's our attitude, motive, and emphasis. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We're denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it, Peter goes on to say, if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. So listen to what Peter's saying, okay, as we get into verse 21 before he makes his point. Peter has been saying that if you're a servant and you're a Christian, that you ought to do good and not evil to your master. Well, what if my master is a really bad guy? Do good and not evil to your master because you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But what if I'm being treated unfairly? Do good and not evil to your master because you are a disciple. You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. To this you have been called. When were we called to this? We were called to this in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Take up your cross and follow me. That's when we were called to this. Now watch what he says in verse 21. To this you were called... And he goes on and says, Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness By his wounds you have been healed. Peter brings up the cross, and he's thinking about Isaiah chapter 53, and he's saying, when you imitate Jesus, when you have his heart and his mind and his attitudes and the way that you treat people, especially when they are mistreating you, that glorifies God. And ultimately, what this comes down to, brothers and sisters and friends, is this. When I take up my cross and follow Jesus because I'm proclaiming him or I'm associated with him or because I'm obedient to him or because I'm imitating him, what it shows in our lives is how much God is worth and how great he is and how even though we suffer in this life that we reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Suffering with him being glorified with him. That's what discipleship is. It is seeing the responsibilities and the burdens associated with being a disciple of Jesus and then willingly taking up our crosses and following him. One more thing to say, and then this lesson is yours. I want you to think about Peter. And I want you to think about the way that he stumbled and failed in always carrying his cross. I want you to think about the fact that he denied the Lord at his trial. I don't know a man. Cursed and swore. I want you to think about the fact that as an apostle of Jesus Christ, one who was looked at as a great influence in the church, he led an entire group of Christians astray at one point in Galatians 2. And I want you to realize this. While we follow Jesus Christ and we want to take up our crosses and follow him and we're willing to take that 
burden, that challenge, and we're willing to do what we've talked about tonight, there are going to be times when all of us mess up. There are inevitably going to be times when all of us fail, when we miss the cross that was right there in front of us. Years ago, I was in college. I grew up knowing that drinking is not something God wants me to do. Well, I was away from home for the first time. A group of my friends take me out to a field. We're having fun. We're having a party. They start passing beers around. What's John going to do? I've got to decide. Take up your cross and follow me. No. You take the can, kind of go off in the darkness so nobody knows and pour it out. I messed up. I didn't take up my cross on that occasion. I could have been a good influence on my friends. I wasn't on that occasion. I'm thankful for the grace and the forgiveness of God. I'm thankful he could forgive what Peter had done. And as we talk about bearing our crosses, all of us need to encourage and uplift one another. All of us as Christians need to help each other. That's what the church is for. Discipleship, following, taking up our cross, and being loyal to our, our master. I'm thankful for the forgiveness that Jesus provides, and maybe you need that this evening. Maybe you have never come to Christ, and maybe you've never taken the challenge of being one of his disciples. Obey Jesus Christ. Be willing to be associated with him and proclaim his name. Make sure that you're imitating him in your life. Coming to Christ means that you believe that he is the Son of God, that you confess his name, repent of your sin, that you're baptized in water for the remission of your sin. We die to ourselves. We're buried with him. We are raised to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. If you're ready to make that commitment this evening, to become a disciple, just a Christian, or maybe you need to respond and you need to ask for prayers, whatever your need is, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?